At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. It's good to do that, isn't it? Man, sometimes we, we, we kind of fall into two different holes, it seems. It's like some weeks are so good, you kind of fall into that side that says, you know, I think I got this. And it's because of my great wisdom that my finances are working so well. And it's because how diligent I am at good diet and exercise is why my health is so good. And I'm so nice to people. Relationships are fine. And we begin to forget how desperately we need Jesus. For every breath, right? Every breath that we breathe, every heartbeat that beats, we depend on him. <laughs> or we get on that other side where we think, man, things are falling apart, and I, I have nothing, no hope and no anticipation of anything good working out, and we get so depressed as if we can control these things, and we lost control, and that means the world is coming to an end. That's not true either. The sovereign king reigns over it all. And we can trust him. And so coming together to worship is that opportunity to kind of reformat our thinking back to what is true. Uh, we can be so self-deceived. Our culture can deceive us. We desperately need to come together. And you might say, yeah, I can do that with a the podcast. They kind of straighten me out, and that's, that's all good. Nah, no, not really. Podcasts are great. They're good to supplement but it's truly not the true substance of what God designs for us as believers. He wants us to be together. And you did it. Here you are. I'm really glad. Worship team, thanks for leading us. Give them a hand, would you? Thank you, team. <laughs> Kevin and Travis, Misty and Amy, so thankful for you. God bless you. And thank you for all that you've done, church family, to enable us to keep meeting like this in a building that we can, uh, can enjoy. God's used your faithfulness of stewardship and your faithful giving to enable our ministry to continue here. You know, that's, that's what God calls us to do as believers is to honor him with our, with our gifts and our first fruits of how he increases us. And the cool thing is that, that faithfulness and that enables ministry like this to happen. So thank you. Um, we enjoy the building God's given to us. Uh, thank you for your sacrificial giving through that season. Um, and some of you know a little bit of housekeeping here. So part of the arrangement we had with the building owner is that we would invest into this space and he would forego rent for a period of time. Actually, he, uh, two years. Uh, that we were rent-free. So up until this month, we've been rent-free. Those two years are now done. Uh, so it is time to start paying rent. Uh, so just as you consider, ah, should I give to the Lord or not? Just remember, 
we do have those payments now. Uh, but we have been being good stewards of it. We haven't been like um, just not doing it. We've been putting money aside like a rent payment um, because we want to be faithful to that. I hope you do that in your own budgeting too in your personal life. So I think we're in, we're in good shape as long as God's people continue to give as he directs us. You say, well, where do I give today? Good question. There's giving boxes right at the doors. You could do that or give online. All right. All right, let's dive into the word. Um, to, to help us get started, we're going to play a little game and test your cultural intelligence. How many here are, would be categorized as a young person? Can I see your hand? Young persons, raise your hand. Yes, many of you, gray hair and arthritis and such things, join with the number of people who had no problem with a rotary cuff raising their hand to say, yes, I'm a, a person. So here's the game. Some of you in the room are younger. Some of you are less than younger. So here's uh, what we want to do. Uh, when, when you truly were younger, you probably had some words that you used that the older generation didn't quite understand. That's the same thing true with a number of our young people today. So we polled, a couple of months ago, we polled a number of students throughout Woodside Bible Church uh, with some of the lingo that they're presently using. Now, this was a couple months ago, so it could have changed since then. I don't know. But based on answers given to us two or three months ago, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share with you a word or a phrase you tell your neighbor what you think this phrase means, and then I'll give you the correct answer according to two and a half months ago from our young people. All right, so here we go. You ask a young person what they think of that song they just heard, and they say, it's mid. What do you think that means? Okay, so according to the young persons that, young people, that answered this question, that means it's kind of middle of the road, right? So not so good, not so bad. Uh, it's not necessarily awful. All right, here we go. You hear some young people playing video games, and one of the, one of the people say, that guy's cracked. That guy's cracked. What do you think that means? Tell your neighbor. All right, let's test you and see how well you are at cultural intelligence. Um, according to these young people that we polled, when they say that guy is cracked, it means they're really good. Uh-huh, how many got that right? Uh, some young people did, young people in the second row, yes. Yeah, very good. All right, you tell a friend how you asked your boss for a raise and was told yes. Your friend responds with slay. <laughs> First of all, why in the world would they say that? Secondly, what does that mean? Tell your neighbor if you think. According to these young people, when a person says slay, that means like, Stylish, or success, or way to go, or something like that. Cool, maybe. I don't know. Slaying it. Slaying it. All right, last one. 
in the conversation, one young person says to the other, I think we should ship Lisa and Sam. What I said was, I think we should ship Lisa and Sam. I think we should ship Lisa and Sam. I think we should ship Lisa and Sam. Does that help slowing it down? Pronunciating? <laughs> okay, according to young people that were polled, what they were saying is, I think we should encourage these two people to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. We should ship them. Yeah. Relationship. Yeah. So what happens in American culture anyway is these generations get together, they spend time together, and as they do so, they begin to share different things, like a language, like a, like a cultural trend or such things. This is what happens when people get together. They talk like each other. They dress like each other. They begin to share values. And in a sense, it's a, it's a hint of really what God has designed for people, that when people gather together, they influence one another. Now, because God desires for people to live under his umbrella of truth, his desire is as we gather together that we're influenced by truth that we carry to one another. And the cool thing about this happening in the midst of a family of believers is that not only do we have God's word given to us, we have the Holy Spirit who is with us. So it's not simply just your influence on me, it's the Holy Spirit's influence through you on me and the Holy Spirit's being in me and through me influencing you and we become more in line with what God desires for his people to be. As was read for us earlier, that this Lord is a spirit and he is with us and he is transforming us from glory to glory to glory. That is, that is in the context of us. That he's transforming us because of the Holy Spirit's influence, which we talked about last week, and how through that influence we are refined it doesn't mean we start using these crazy phrases and slogans like slay and ship and other such things, but it does mean we use some crazy language like love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that sometimes the culture says, I don't even understand that because so much is, so many are so far from what he desires as humans to experience. So our faith community, the, the term that the Bible uses for our faith community is the term church. Say that with me, church. It's a word that simply means, in the original language of Greek, it simply means a gathered assembly, an assembly of, of people. But scripture, as it uses it, makes sure we understand, even in its context, that it's a gathering of believers in Jesus that are called out from the world 
to gather with one another for God's purpose. And the church, the scripture never uses the word church to refer to a building. Never. It's always referring to a gathering of people. The saints taught that there were those who placed their faith in Jesus. They become part of a family of God that extends across ethnic groups, against geographical locations and generations. That the church is the group of believers that sound different in how they speak according to their language, that look different according to their skin tone, and yet because of their unity of faith, they are part of his body. So we've been looking at this ancient creed called the Apostles' Creed, and in it is a statement that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the holy, universal, or Catholic, Catholic means universal, the holy, universal church, the communion of the saints. As we understand the teachings of Scripture, we see at the heart of it is this idea that God, through his Holy Spirit, has ordained this universal body of Christ that brings communion to the saints. Saints, of course, is not these uh, people that have been um, elevated throughout human history because of what has happened to them or what they have done. Saints is what Jesus has created when people place their faith in him, that all believers in Christ are called through scripture, they're called saints, separated for God's purposes. So we're going to look at the church today in our study, and we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians. Just so you know, if you ever want to know something about the church and you think, where should I find something about the church in the Bible? Good book to go to is the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians. It's in the New Testament. We're going to look at chapter 4. I love this book. Um, probably every time we start a new series, I, I might be guilty of saying, I just love this part, and I think this might be one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, here we are again. Uh, the book of Ephesians has meant so much to me. It's formed how I live my life and uh, where I how I invest my time and, and such things. It's been very transforming to me. Um, and I, I kind of enter this morning with a little sense of apology because we're going to look at a bunch of verses and not give them due justice. So chapter 4, I would love to, for you to just to kind of make me a promise that you'll read the whole chapter on your own. Okay, very good. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Because there's so much here I'd love for you to spend time in. But it will help us understand that God's church is where God's people grow in God's image. Maybe that would be good for us to say that together. Let's just say it. In fact, let's put it on the screen so you can say it. Here we go. God's church is where God's people Grow in God's image. You'll see that in chapter 4 as you read this. So first of all, God's church is where he unites his body. Verse 1. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's look a bit closer at those verses. It starts in verse 1, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. Now you've been probably told that when you're reading scripture and you get to that word therefore, it's indicating that something that was said previously is really important and now he wants to build on that. So whenever you see therefore, you look to see why it was put there for, right? So you look before the verses before that to see, well, what is this next statement based on? And that statement in chapter 3, if you have your Bibles with you, you could see just a couple of verses before. In verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far and abundantly more than we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So Paul had basically just said, God's power works in his church. So much so that the angels in heaven are watching believers today. And sometimes in a sense where their jaws, if they, I don't know if they have jaws or not, but if they do, their jaws drop and they're amazed at the wisdom of God because they can see people that previously were in bondage to sin, now having been set free from sin, and now proclaiming the goodness of Jesus all around the world. And they're saying, wow, what a plan. This is incredible. And Paul says that in the church, there's a power that is expressed to them and through them that is beyond whatever you could even imagine. Now think of Paul's context when he, think, when, when he was writing. He was writing in the Roman Empire, and there were thousands of believers on the globe. Thousands. Right? That's not a lot of people compared to the population of the world. But over his lifespan, it, it moves from a centrally located group of people to a national area of believers to now an international region of believers, to where the word has gone throughout all of Asia Minor, throughout the whole Roman Empire. And Paul is thinking, I couldn't have even imagined this. God's power working through the church, spreading his glory throughout the entire Roman Empire. Just this tiny little group of people, 12 guys. One of them failed. They all ran away. But now they have the Holy Spirit. And they're bold, and they're professing faith, and the word is just spreading to now people of different cultures and, and different nationalities, and just this incredible thing. God's power through the church, far and above what I ever, ever I can imagine. That's what he just said. That's what he just wrote about. Chapter 4, he says, therefore, since this incredible thing has happened, I don't know, could Paul have imagined this gathering in Algonac, Michigan when he's writing this? It even went to Algonac. It's incredible. So because of that, I, the prisoner of the Lord, now Paul was in prison, and he's kind of saying, God wants me here, so I'm writing you this letter because he wants you to know these things. I, therefore... I'm urging you to live in a certain way. If this is true, that the treasure of God 
has gone to all the regions of the world, then I beg you, he says, I beg you to walk or live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I urge you to live according to what he's called you into. That's, it's speaking of your salvation experience. He's called you into the family. He says, this is how you live. You live with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with each other in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because, because you've been called into this and you didn't earn your way into this, it's not because you're so slay that you are part of the family of God. It's not that somebody else shipped you right into this thing. It's, it's, it's God reached down and he brought you into his family. He, he, he brought you here. He made you new. So you can't look down on other people because you have nothing in your own accomplishment to stand on. You've been called into this. So here's how you live. With humility and gentleness and forgiveness and patience. Paul says in this, in this church, in the family of God, there's no room for self-righteousness because your righteousness didn't get you here. Your righteousness doesn't keep you here. It's God's grace. So since you've been invited by his grace and his mercy, it only makes sense that you express that grace and mercy to other people. The humility and the gentleness. It pushes aside our natural tendency to be proud and harsh and impatient and bitter. Instead, we, we, we join with the work of of God who creates us into his image because that's his call. So Paul in this beginning of this chapter is calling us to live in a certain way because of who has invited us. Now some would say, yeah, but you know my experience with the church is I haven't seen all the time humility and gentleness, and patience, and forgiveness. What I've seen is some pride. I've seen some harshness. And I've, I've seen some, um, some bitterness that sets in. And personally, I would say, yeah, me too. I have too. But here, I'd, be, I'd also be quick to say, yeah, don't you see that everywhere? I mean, every place where there's people, don't you see that? And, and here's what keeps me committed to the church. One, Jesus never gave up on the church. And Jesus is the perfect one. He knows our hearts, not just our behaviors. And he still commits to the church. He never says, oh, I'm so tired of you guys. You're messing this thing up. And he pushes us aside and comes up with it. No, he stays committed. So if he's going to be committed, I should too. But here's the other thing. I believe truly that the church is the best place to possibly find humility and gentleness and forgiveness 
and patience. There's more likelihood that you'll find it in the church than any other organization. Join a service club. There's some really nice people in service clubs. I'm part of some, but here's what I found. Because there's not the promise that the Holy Spirit abides in those places, it's going to be the natural tendency to move into some of that action of how we act when it's all about us. You join a group, uh, a volunteer group at your work, you're going to find that natural tendency. But in the church, there's the Holy Spirit. There's the best chance you'll find to be fully loved, fully embraced, and cared for in the church. And one of the reasons I believe that is because I've seen it. I've seen it here. I've seen so many people here express that spirit towards people both that I feel like, yeah, well, they're just kind of easy to love, as well as the people like me and others that are sometimes harder to love. I've seen God's church in a beautiful, beautiful way. Perfect? No. But beautiful, yes. Paul says this is, this is the place where he unites the body. And how are we united? Well, we're united because we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope that belongs to our call. We have one God and Father of all. He's over all, through all, and in all. And his Holy Spirit unites us together. Secondly, so much more I want to talk about. Let's go to number two. God's church is where he builds up his body, verse 7 through 13. God's grace is where he builds up his body. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does he mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. You say, wait, what? Hang on, let me finish reading. He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is a really cool picture. Paul quotes from Psalm 68. So if you are into writing in your Bibles, you could write that in your margin. Psalm 68, verse 15. It's where the psalmist, in a poetic form, gives a glimpse into the Messiah that would come later, later, later on. And Scripture teaches clearly this Messiah is Christ, is Jesus, right? So hundreds of years before, this poem is written to describe the coming Messiah, was Jesus. And the poem says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. But if he ascended, doesn't it mean that he also descended? Think of what Jesus has done. He was in the glory of heaven, center of worship, ruler of all creation. But because man had, mankind had sinned, humanity was desperately in need of a savior. Jesus, God's son, submitted to the Father's instruction to come to earth. He humbled himself 
as a human to come to serve us. He descended from the glory of heaven to earth. And you understand the incredible length that he went to in his service, where he actually gave his life as a sacrificial atonement for us. He took our punishment upon himself. That was the deepest way he could serve. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And then after proving himself that he was risen over those next 40 days, showed himself to 500 people, he then ascended back to the Father. But before he did, he said, it's good that I'm going to go back to the Father because if I go, I will leave who to be with you? The Holy Spirit. So it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit would be with you. And he would equip you for every good work. So as he ascended, he gave the gift to all people, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with that gift came the abilities to serve Jesus on his mission. So do you see this beautiful picture? Here's Jesus. He descended from heaven to earth. He served us ultimately through his act of redemption. He then ascended, and as he ascended, he left his Holy Spirit to equip us. And that Holy Spirit then called pastors and evangelists and apostles and teachers and and prophets, and they would equip the saints who were all gifted by the Holy Spirit so they could all do the work of ministry. And by doing the work of ministry, the church would be built. It's a beautiful picture of the church on mission, the church in action. We saw a little bit of it this morning when you came in today. Some of you came in early. I think the door is unlocked at 8 o'clock. As a team came in and they started putting these slides, making sure that was all formatted right so you could read the scripture and sing the songs. The worship team got here about the same time and they got here and started tuning their instruments and, and rehearsing and getting ready there. Meanwhile, there was a team of people that came in and started brewing the coffee. They're using their gift of hospitality for you. And there was greeters that came in to make sure they were in their places. People went in, turned on all the lights, made sure the heat settings were good. All these things are happening, security teams out there, on a Sunday morning. What do you think happened the previous few days? There was people putting together all the plans for this day, putting lesson plans together for our kids' ministry, putting plans, worship uh, set together for today. All these things are happening. What do you think is happening while they were doing that? There were people that were ministering in the community, and there were people that were caring for our facilities and things here. They were lining up a quote for our front door that sometimes you come to that front door and it goes, burp. <laughs> you make your way in and get inside, and you think, is it me or is it the door? It's it's the door, folks, right? So pretty soon, that door hopefully will go, and it will be great. It'll open, and it will close. It'll, it'll be great. All these gifts are being used for the work of ministry. And as that happens, all those that are working are being built up. They're being strengthened. They're being encouraged. And Paul warns through implication that if the body is not working, there probably will be some limit to its growth. 
there will be a limitation to the spread of its influence. Paul's dream is that what he saw during his lifetime would continue to the ends of the globe. And the greatest work happens when the Holy Spirit is empowering all believers to do that great work. Uh, and I, I know that probably in a group this size, there's, there's probably more than one that thinks, I'm not sure what I did this week for the work of the ministry. I was kind of doing my thing. In fact, I didn't even think about it. I just kind of thought that when I come, everything's done. I didn't even think, oh, vacuuming, somebody's got to do that. I, I didn't even think that, oh, who makes flyers and bulletins and runs the sound back there? I don't think there's anybody back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there they are. Yeah, there are people back there. That may, maybe, maybe the ministry hasn't quite exploded to the degree that God desired even in this little region is because there's still just some that haven't just jumped in to say, oh, the work of ministry for all the saints. I kind of thought that that was for the young people to say slay and ship and those things. No, no, that's, that, that's all of us. Or maybe you say, I thought it was for people that don't even know what mid means. No, no, it's for people that speak those weird words and, and things. It's like, it's like God's called all of us. If you've believed in Jesus... Like we talked last week, then the Holy Spirit's in you. And it's not just to make you feel nice. I mean, the Holy Spirit comforts us, and he guides us, and he directs us, and he leads us, but he, he unites us together in a body to empower us to minister. That's not all. As he does, does this, as he builds the body, as, they, as it broadens throughout community, throughout the world. Third, that church grows. God's church is where he grows his body. Verse 14. So that, as all the saints are working together, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped. When each part is working together, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That the body, the church, should be ever in a state of maturing not just not just building like getting broader but maturing like getting deeper right more, more mature so the way i express god's love is different than it used to be because i've been part of a family of god where we work together and i am deepened in my spiritual maturity 
that when I go through difficult seasons, the church is there to encourage me and, and, and help me walk through that journey so that the lessons go deep in my heart instead of bitterness or anger or disappointment. But if I'm disconnected from the church, I'm left to my own wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I found every time I isolate and try to live my life on my own wisdom, I always hit a wall or trip over my feet or poke myself in the eye in a spiritual sense. That God has given to us a family as we live together, that when I'm succeeding, I, I'm kept humble. When I'm struggling, I'm given hope. That that's what the family does. We speak to one another in love. We speak the truth in love. This idea of maturing out of childhood is something that's all throughout Scripture. Right? Peter uses it when he says to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews used it, whoever wrote Hebrews, where he says that we are to grow um, in, in, his, in his truth. Don't be children anymore, but be skillful in living out the word. Paul uses it a number of times, even to the Corinthians, when he says, I wanted to write you as, as adults, but I still have to write you as, to you as children because you just haven't advanced past the elementary things of the faith because you're just not allowing the Spirit to change you. The God's desire for each one of us, until we breathe our last, is to grow Amen. and to deepen. And that, that, that does come as you're in, your, in the Word, right? As you're, as you're spending time in the Word of God, reading it, spending time in prayer, right? Allowing it to, 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 uh, to work into your heart and as you're submitting to God's truth, all that is, is great. And if you don't have a discipline of being in the Word, I'd encourage you to start that. We've offered to you a number of suggested resources. A number of you are using the Bible recap reading plan. It's awesome. Just want, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just write that word down, Bible recap, and you'll see a wonderful tool that I'm using and a number of people here are using. Maybe you're reading through a book of the Bible at a time, so you're reading a paragraph at a time. It's a great way to do that. But being in the Word of God on your own is so important. But it's important to realize that these challenges are written to, an, to a group. So even when it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, when it says to walk for you to walk in that way, it's a use it's a plural. I encourage you together walk in this way. When he says, I want you to grow, he's saying, together I want you to grow because that's what, that's, that's what he desires for his church. A community experience. It's, it's springtime. And even Travis was mentioned, the, the cool road in on the dike road or whatever that's called, right? As you come in, the marsh on either side. And it's been fun on some of these warm days to see the kayakers back out there traveling through that area. And some of you maybe, anybody been out on a kayak yet this year? Anybody? Okay, one, brave soul. 
Yeah, well, that, it's a beautiful thing to do in this part of the world. If you've been on a kayak, you realize that you have this cool contraption with a paddle on either side, right? And, and, and as long as you're paddling with both sides, you make pretty good progress. But if you think, my left arm's tired, I'll just paddle with my right. <laughs> right? Progress begins to slow. It's a real challenge to fight against the wind if it's a windy day at all when you're on that really light kayak blowing around. You, you, have, to, you have to be very diligent using both paddles. Sometimes when you're in a bigger body of water and, you re- and there's some c- the current that's pushing against you, you need to be very diligent to be using that paddle. Right? Well, in a sense, that's a community of faith and individual study. Community of faith, individual study. And if both of those are active, if you believe in the universal church that God has called you to that, and you believe in the individual responsibility to grow, you can push against the winds of the culture. Because that's what God's just given you as a way to continue to progress and grow and move. But if you begin to think, I just, you know, I got plenty of other things to do on my own time. I'll just go to church. And, and it just doesn't, it's just not, I mean, sure, you go somewhere, you're moving, but are you progressing to the degree that he's called you? Or what I'm finding in today's American church is that there's more and more people saying, yeah, I never did like big crowds anyway. One thing COVID told me, stay away from people, right? But I'm in the Word, and I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm doing my thing, and I love Jesus, just me and him. And you're, you're moving. And it's not that... Yeah, it's just dangerous. It's just not what God's designed. Your growth will be, will be limited. The movement of the gospel will be stymied because God's designed his church to grow and stand against the winds of change and the winds of doctrine by gathering together. But we believe in the universal church. The universal church is not just Woodside Algonac. It's looking around to see that, oh, all believers in Christ, we're all part of the same body. So we speak well of one another. And we cheer for one another and work together where, it's, where, we, where we can. It's one of the things that's compelling us to Guatemala this summer is because God is at work in this, this remote village in Guatemala, and there's a small, tiny little pocket of believers that are starting to form. And so we're coming alongside of them to encourage them and, and be encouraged by them because we're united together. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one God and Father of all who's above all and in all. So we work together, and we, our growth gets stymied when we do think that it's all about us. In a sense, we become like a church with one paddle in the water. It's just about us and our little locality instead of realizing, no, this is about the body of Christ all over the world, growing and striving and seeking the glory of God.
There's so much more in Ephesians 4, so you promised. You promised. There was somebody back there that spoke on behalf of everybody here. You promised you'd read it. I, I hope you do. But where, wh- what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? You know, as you look in the mirror of God's word, what is he saying? Maybe, maybe there's some who, yeah, you've been too content with this being your Christian growth experience. And maybe it's time this afternoon to make a plan. Or maybe there's some watching on, on, online. But your tendency has been just the safe and comfortable experience, and maybe it's time to step in to the family and become an active part and use your gifts in the midst of a body of believers. Maybe you've been coming and you've been content to be on the margins and just observing, and maybe the Spirit of God is saying to you, come on, it's time to jump in. We have the next steps, right? We designed that so that we can work, walk together on that road of becoming involved in the mission of Jesus through the church. So we have next steps too, I think, today, right? What does it mean to belong to the church? Amen. Yeah. Step four, in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing a session on identifying your spiritual gifts so you know how God has gifted you specifically for the work of the ministry. It's a, it's a great exercise to do. We'd love to have you join us on that. Maybe some have never considered even joining a life group because, well, it's just one more night and I'm kind of busy and maybe you're starting to see like, hmm, that would be a great way for me to engage with a small group of believers where I can encourage them, they, me, we can serve together, we can be in the word together. Maybe that's an action step for you. And maybe some should go to the website and woodsidebible.org slash go to see where around the world God is calling Woodside to serve. And maybe, maybe it's too late for some of the trips. Maybe there's a trip that's not too late for you. Or maybe you'll save that as a favorite because once we work through this calendar year, maybe next year, there's, that's the time that God has for you to broaden your understanding of what is the church. It's not just people that look like you and sound like me. It's a beautiful reflection that the angels say, wow, that's beautiful. So may God direct us so that we respond to love the church like Jesus loves the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Despite our faithlessness, when we get distracted and maybe deceived, Lord, that you, you never fail, you never fail us, you're here to prompt us and call us and woo us back into a plan that you've designed for us. Lord, I thank you for salvation through Jesus. That None of us can be here with any sense of pride because of what we've done. We can come with a great sense of celebration because of your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the union we can have because of your Holy Spirit that unites us. And I pray that we would be a church filled with people who are investing into the things that you call most important. And may we continue to grow. May we deepen. May we broaden. May we see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May you be with us as we respond, even in this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. 
Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.